And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of HW Full Circle. I'm your host, as always, Jack Smith, with my good friend here, Steve Ferrari. This is the show where we talk about your Mass Mutual East, also known as the Metropolitan Division, some around the NHL and Flyers news, and we will bring it all back to your Philadelphia Flyers coming full circle. Quite frankly, we'll talk about whatever grinds our gears and however we feel about it. Uh, we will keep a heavy emphasis on our division rivals and see how they, they tend to match up against your Philadelphia Flyers. Long week we just had here, guys. A lot of games being played. But before we get started, I just wanted to remind you, HW Radio has teamed up with Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in man's below-the-race grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. With the redesigned electric trimmer, the Manscaped team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they've just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0. The premium battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can shave longer. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And let's not forget about that charging stand. Show off your mower loud and proud because the intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Refined, the new cologne from Manscaped. This powerful and manly fragrance combined with your Manscaped stick and pucks is your optimal lineup. You need to experience this precision firsthand. Let's get that bush to tush clean. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the promo code HW at Manscaped.com. Make your testies their besties. Your balls will thank you for it. Uh, Steve, have you used your cologne since we last discussed? I have, yeah. Put it on, uh, put it on the other night. I love it every time. It's uh, it's my new favorite in the rotation. So, uh, and, and after that ad read, I want to go buy some more, and I want to go buy another lawnmower. You were that good. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I do want to. It's a little bit of a public service announcement I want to make because I've actually been asked this. This uh, you can if you want to. I don't recommend it, but you do not have to use the cologne on your family jewels. That's it's regular <laughs> cologne, just how you would use it. Don't everybody ask me? Oh, is this for my nuts? I'm like, it can be, but it's actually just regular cologne. There's a tons of other stuff they have for for your that area for your manscaped area before, after, during, whatever. But this is just regular cologne. Okay, just want to say that, get that out there. I have been asked that a lot. Um, so. Let's jump into some NHL news here. The Really, the biggest speculation right now is that NBCSN will be shut down. Um, potentially, we could have some, uh, a, I think the NHL would like some kind of bidding war with some other uh, channels such as maybe ESPN. I've heard a lot of USA, uh, a couple of jokes there. But what's, Steve, what's your whole take on this whole situation? Uh, at first, uh, my first thought on this was uh, – do, does the NHL, or I, I guess I should say, does NBC know something that we don't? Um, is the NHL kind of letting them know that their bid for the rights is not quite up to snuff? Um, the other thing that I did here was they could utilize Peacock. Um, that's their new streaming service. I don't know if they'd want to go necessarily that route because not everybody has it. Um, but at the same time, I guess if you don't have the cable package, you might not have NBC Sports anyway. Um it could be a preemptive strike. Uh, maybe they're thinking if it does it, if they don't get it, they don't need this network. Um, so let's at least have a plan in place. Um, ESPN, their their coverage right now, and I know they don't they don't have the rights. So to them, they're they're not going to market something they don't have the rights for. Um, but I it, I did love those days with uh, I think Darren Pang 
um, calling some of the playoff games. Um, right now, they would need to do a lot for me to respect their hockey uh, coverage. But if they own the rights, I'm going to say that they'll get up to, up to snuff there. Um, Fox, the I think they were the ones with the puck tracking, if I'm not uh, mistaken, which was a little annoying. Um, and then USA, I think they can always use that if M- NBC does win the rights. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. And I, and I think the NHL, for the first time in quite a while, they actually have some legs to stand on here and uh, maybe make some demands. Whereas in the uh, the last TV contract that came up, they basically were taking um, whatever someone gave them. And that was NBC. And quite frankly, that worked out about as well as they could have. So it's going to be interesting. I'm sure we're going to start to hear more. But, um, yeah, it was uh, that was quite the news when I saw that. Do you remember what uh, channel they were on after the 2005 lockout was called? It was versus. like, ver, was it Versus? I thought I could have sworn. It was the Outdoor Network. Yes. And then it, okay, it, that's what it I transitioned thought. So I remember to Versus. I was like on with like bass fishing. Yeah, like it was yep. rough. Just to, to your point that they had to take whatever they could get. I yep. remember ESPN offered them like this horrific deal. And I've been pretty happy with NBC simply for the fact that like the Stanley Cup gets put on NBC. It's not like yep, NBC, yep. you know, and uh, if I, and I worry about ESPN because they'll put the Stanley Cup like right after curling. You know, I can see the commercials <laughs> now like uh, you know, after the uh, Stanley Cup, uh, check in for our uh, game seven of our dart tournament. I mean, it's, it's just they, they've always shunned hockey and they're I swear they have ownership in the NBA the way they treat the NBA. So well, that, that's the thing. I don't see ESPN. Uh, relinquishing some of that screen time away from the NBA, given the stake they have in it. Um, that's where I, I just like, I think they could make a competitive bid. And if they did, they'd put the time and effort into it. Um, they're the the mega sports company. Everybody knows. Um, but I, I just have a hard time seeing them trying to invest the same amount of time and effort in uh, the NHL as we see with the NBA um, not to mention they got college basketball. It almost just feels like they have too many things going on um, for them t- for for the NHL to be worthwhile uh, in yeah. my eyes. I think ESPN's worst case scenario for me. I feel like even if they do make a good deal, what was you know sounds good for the NHL or even sounds good for ESPN, the amount of coverage they're going to get is going to be pathetic. I think that some of the articles I've read, some of the um, analyst i they don't even they remember they left the flyers out of like the the east like they didn't even wait <laughs> yeah. like they just they just don't care and i don't think they have the right people on staff i think who who used to it was matthew barnaby and uh the old uh oh god i can see his gray slick back hair now Barry melrose yeah melrose and i didn't mind <laughs> melrose but it's just like i don't know i just when it comes to espn i'm like no thanks and you made a good point the and the nhl never had a leg to stand on but this I think it was a Flyers Penguins game was the opener for the season. Yeah. At yep. least one of them. And it broke records. It broke a record for them. And then the whole like first weekend of games that broke a record as well. So they have a leg to stand on. Um, USA. I didn't really mind. There's all these jokes about, uh, you know, WWE with them. Cause they're big on <laughs> USA, USA and you know, all the cross promotional stuff. Like, uh, that would be I interesting. The announcers, all they need to do is just be like, oh, after this, uh, be sure to check out the Canucks-Calgary game, you know, whatever. But um, what I don't want to see, I don't want to see any any NHL players in the ring. I don't want to see them, uh, in, you know, Royal Rumble contestants or any crossover. And they've done stuff like that before. So I don't want to see. You don't want to see like uh, Kev- Kevin Hayes in the uh, in the square ring? He's going to get hurt. I'm telling you. God forbid. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't, I don't want to see anything anything like that. Just say, by the way, game's on tonight, tomorrow, whatever, and we'll do the same. <laughs> you know, leave it at that. <laughs> well, I did think that was funny. Some of the jokes I was hearing is pretty good. So we'll get away from that. Let's jump into the Mass Mutual result, East results. Uh, this We'll start this because we kind of let the show go. We record on Sunday, so we catch some of the games. Like, for instance, today I did catch a game, but the Flyers haven't played yet. So this is for Sunday, January 24th until today. January 31st, um, jumping back to last Sunday, a couple of the scores here. Buffalo Sabres, a 4-3 shootout win over Washington. New Jersey shut out the Islanders 2-0. Pittsburgh defeated the Rangers 3-2. No games were played on Monday. On Tuesday, Buffalo defeated the Rangers 3-2. The Flyers de- defeated the New Jersey Devils 5-3. Washington defeated the Islanders 3-2. And Boston beat Pittsburgh in overtime 3-2. No games were played on Tuesday in the Mass Mutual East. Um, on Wednesday, Lafreniere scores his first NHL goal in overtime to propel the Rangers to a 3-2 overtime win in over Buffalo. Washington nets six goals, still down Ovi Orloff, Kuznetsov, and Samsonov to beat the Islanders 6-3. Boston handled Pittsburgh in a 4-1 win. Carter Hart returns strong to hold off the New Jersey Devils as the Flyers win 3-1. Uh, I believe no games were then played on Friday. Uh, we'll jump to Saturday. Buffalo topped New Jersey in a shootout, 4-3. Flyers' overtime magic against the New York Islanders is still apparent in their 3-2 thriller win. Uh, Pittsburgh downed New York Rangers in overtime, 5-4. And Washington beat Boston, 4-3, in overtime. Uh, I will add in here that New Jersey did beat out the Buffalo Sabres in a close contest. It was 5-3 with that last one being an empty net goal. Uh, and the Flyers will play the Islanders again at 7 o'clock, which is roughly two and a half hours from now. Uh, a couple of things I noticed is the Washington Capitals are still undefeated in regulation, and that's with being down, as I alluded to earlier, Orlov, Kuznetsov, Samsonov, and mainly Ovechkin. Uh, I also noted that Lafreniere scored his first NHL goal, and it was overtime game-winning goal. Uh, and the most, the biggest thing I noticed, and this is not good for us because we, we are actually winning games in regulation. Sure, we won our first overtime game the other night, but seven games this week decided in overtime or a shootout, including all four matchups on Saturday. That's uh, going to make this division quite tight. Um, so, Steve, before I move on to uh, our current standings and how the teams are matching up statistically, did, is there anything you notice over this week? Um. So there were there were some good games this week. Um, kind of surprising to see Washington continue to win being down those guys. Um, I think I may have underestimated them. Um, I thought they were a little bit older. They might have. I, I didn't know how much better they actually got. Um, but they're they're a solid team top to bottom. And I think Laviolette's really got them playing well right now. Um, they're going to be a tough out. I, I could see them um if not going all the way down to the end, but I think they're going to be in first place for a good portion of this season. Um, I'd love to, I can't wait to see how Philly matches up with them. Um, but they're, they're playing some really good hockey right now. Uh, Lafreniere, you know, that was like a, a refrigerator off his back scoring that goal after going uh, a few games into his career without uh, tallying a point. Um, but it, it was a nice goal too. And to get your first one in overtime, um, that's, it, that's hard to beat. Um, finally the overtime, I would love to see the NHL. I've been saying this for years. I'd love to see them change the way they do the point system. Um, I think 
it's too advantageous to not try to win at the end of a game now when you're tied. Um, I'd love to see them go to a three-point system, um, three points for a regulation win, uh, two points for an overtime win, and one point for a shootout win. Get rid of the loser point. Um, or even you can you can keep the loser point if it goes to a shootout. Um, but really, like you're you're gonna have so many teams so bunched up this year, and with with it being the top four in the division, where you could have a, a fifth team miss it because someone else in the other division is just in the top four in theirs. It's it's gonna be really really interesting to see if uh, if this gets brought up at all. I don't think it will. I haven't really heard much talk of it outside of really the fandom side of it. Um, but I'd love to see them kind of change that. Cause I think you're going to get to some nights where if you're tied going into late in the third period, you're going to kind of sit back. And I think it makes the hockey more exciting. Um, if you could get that extra point by winning in regulation, you're going to take a few more chances um, because the, the third point is going to outweigh losing um, all the points if you go to overtime. So that's just my two cents. Um, they're still fun to watch. Um, overtime hockey is, is really exciting. Um, but it's, uh, this, the standings are going to be really, really tight with all these teams. One of the other things is when you're not playing your division the whole season, if you get a a West coast team, it's like, okay, we went to overtime. Who cares? That point really doesn't matter to us. But now every game that goes overtime in the East affects the standings for the flyers. So it's, uh, it's going to be tight. It's going to be really tight. Yeah, no, I've definitely heard that scoring system before, and I'm definitely on board with that. As much as I love overtime, it's it's become it used to be rare. Now I feel like it's just uncommon. You know, like it's got to it's really it's much better when you don't see it as often. But when it's happening all the time, like it's gonna lose a little bit of its luster. And I, I really like what you added a scoring system. I had heard the three points for a regulation win, but the um, taking away. Uh, the loser point if they lose in sh- in the overtime like I, I yeah. like that too this is good. and it just it's I don't know why they don't consider this stuff I really don't I don't know if they they just want it to be close uh, but if the overall if the game by games are better I think that would be better for your product but I, I think the biggest thing with the NHL they just want to keep the every team in it as long as they can uh, for the you know certain fan bases so it's a shame because it shouldn't be that way but it is what it is um so, yeah, so uh, we'll jump to uh, def- look at our current standings here. And as you alluded to, and it's true, the Capitals are in first place. In nine games, they are 6-0-3 for 15 points. They have not lost in regulation. This is very – you made a good point. The uh, Capitals are probably going to be in first place for a while, much like they usually are. Um, what I want to see is how they're going to look down the stretch after the trade deadline and going into the playoffs. Uh, but, hey, this, you can't ask for much of this. And when you consider everybody who's been out, and I think a big reason uh, that they're doing pretty good is Vanacek's been pretty good, uh, all things considered. So I'll just run down some stuff here. Another player who's been pretty good for them has been Nicholas Backstrom. And he is their goal leader with five, assist leader with eight, and therefore his points leader with 13. Uh, John Carlson's in second in points with 10. Uh, Samsonov, we haven't seen too much of him in two games. He's one-on-one with a 3.36 goals against average and a save percentage of 0.868. Vanacek, as I alluded to, has played pretty well in seven games. He is 5-0-2, 2.78 goals against average, and his save percentage is .918. I mean, that's for considering what they needed, that's that's pretty good. And you just kind of alluded to to why they were so good, and it's a lot of La Violette. Um, one thing I did not 
I wanted to also mention is they have the top power play right now in the league. They're in first place percentage-wise. Um, it surprised me that their penalty kill is down as low as 21 or 21st, excuse me. And I, their face-off percentage is very almost worse in the league at 28th. But ultimately, they have the five-on-five play. They have the goaltending, and they got the power play being at number one. That will do wonders for you. Uh, anything about the Capitals before I move on to the second-place team? So you bring up the power play. That's its first. And I think right now, and the graphic came up in the Flyers-Islanders game last night, Flyers are twenty, roughly almost 27% on the power play, and they're like 10th. Um, the scoring is going crazy right now. And uh, I think it was Brian Burke on NHL Network. He mentioned, like, we'd be just getting out of training camp right now um, or just kind of starting the season. So I think – as the, the season goes on, you're going to see defense start to catch up with the offense, and some of those things are going to start to even out. Um, so I'll be interested to see it, once that happens if the Capitals are for real or if it's kind of they're taking advantage of where the defense uh, other teams are playing kind of stands right now. And with with the lethal power play, you're going to win a lot of games. So if that number comes down a little bit, starts to even out, does that catch up to them? Um, that's that's kind of what I'm going to keep an eye on for them. That's a good point. We'll see. Ultimately, it's hard to tell. I mean, um, one of the biggest things I had heard is uh, are the Dallas Stars for real? And one of the best Ooh. things that they had happen to them is um, they couldn't start their season. So they had they kind of had an actual real training camp and then they yep. came out on yep. fire. So how much do you credit do you give to? I mean, obviously, they deserve credit, but they had a lot of practice and they were ready. They were ready to roll when it was time to play and maybe that had something to do with it it's kind of and they scored your same eight power play goals in like their first two or three games i mean you can't play everybody else is playing you're dissecting other teams and you're just practicing so you know we'll see what they can keep this up for the rest of the season we'll know for sure i already thought they were pretty good so ultimately we'll see i did think that it was something that needed to be taken into consideration so what you're saying about the power play when things start to settle out yeah we'll we'll see for sure um and we'll move on to the second place team, and that's your Philadelphia Flyers. They have nine games played. They're six, two, and one for 13 points. Twitter it could not be more displeased, despite that. <laughs> I, I gotta admit, I've made my comments as well. Their goals leader right now is JVR with five. I believe Konechny also has five. Uh, assist leader is Voracek with eight. Points leader is Voracek with ten. Uh, Carter Hart has played seven games. He is 4-2-1 and one with a 3.33 goals against average and a save percentage of .900. Elliott, in three appearances, two games started, ha- is 2-0-0 with a 1.97 goals against average and a save percentage of .938. The Flyers are 11th in the power play, 24th in the penalty kill, and 10th in the faceoff percentage. Ultimately, not bad. I would like to see that PK get up there. Like you said, I expect that power play percentage to drop a bit. Hopefully, it doesn't drop too much. Uh, but that penalty kill, once Couturier gets back, I, that needs to be top 15, even top 10, the way they used to be. Uh, we'll see what goes on with that. Their defense is in shambles right now. This is, won't get too much into the Flyers, but before I move on, Steve, your thoughts. Um, I, I think the, the power play at times looks good. Um, it seems like, and this is something that I've noticed for a long time, if if they get pressured, if you're playing against one of those high-pressure systems, um, they they have a hard time setting up, and they have a hard time really getting any decent chances. Um, I feel like that's something you've got to be ready for, and it just seems like anytime they get someone that is pressuring the puck, they just 
they, they never seem to really do much. Um, the PK, uh, the, the old adage is you need your goalie to be your best penalty killer. We know Hart hasn't been great. Um, I don't think the defense in front of him has been great, but with Myers back in the lineup um, and then hopefully a healthy Couturier coming back in a week or two, I think that's going to pick up. Um, and like you said, get it in the top 15. Ideally, you're in the top 10. Um, but last year we saw what they could do and they returned most of the same team. So um, I think, like I said, defense is going to eventually catch up to offense and that's where you'll kind of see things shake out. So I expect that number to come up. Um, the faceoff, I'm surprised they're actually that high. I'm surprised they're 10th. It feels like they're losing a lot more draws than I'm noticing them winning. Um, whereas last year, it felt like they won so many more than they lost. Um, I think Couture not being there, that's a big difference. Um, G is still, he, I think he's still performing fairly well in the faceoff dot, but um, it's such a big, it's such an under uh, underutilized stat that I think helps drive play a lot. So I'd like to see them get that back up to where they were last year, maybe even top five. But I think to to be where they are for, let's say they played what their C plus game thus far, and to have 13 points nine games in and be in second place, I have a hard time being too upset. Yeah, I agree. We'll obviously get into more of the Flyers um, on uh, either Monday or Wednesday this week. We will let you know about that. Uh, I definitely have some things to say. Ghost name will obviously brought up because the second he does anything good at all, he looks good. <laughs> it's all over Twitter. He looks the bar has been set so low. I just I don't want to get into it. Uh, we will get into it. Uh, I'll move on here to the Boston Bruins are your third place team. Uh, eight games played. They are five one and two for twelve points. Uh, Marchand and Bergeron essentially have the same exact stats and lead the team in all these categories. Eight games played. Five goals. Six assists. Ele- Eleven points. Uh, Tuka Rask has five games played. He's 3-1-1 one, one with a 2.49 goals against average and save percentage of .890. Uh, Halak has played three games. He's 3-0-2. Oh, goals against average is 1.3. Save percentage is nine, uh, .938. That's significantly good. Uh, they are the fifth-best power team right now, the second-best penalty kill, and the first-best face-off team. So their special teams right now is looking pristine. Um, your thoughts on the Boston Bruins? They're getting great play from the goalies, um, and, and the seeing them as fair, first in faceoffs when the Flyers played them uh, last week, it felt like they never won a faceoff against them. So I'm not surprised to see that. Um, it's still it's still predominantly a one line team with the rest just kind of not hurting the team. Um, they've given up the least amount of goals in the uh, East Division, so I'm not surprised to see them where they are. Um, Pasta's back. So that's going to add a boost, and I think they'll start getting a little bit more scoring five on five. Um, they're they're going to be a tough out. Um, Cassie's got them playing well, and with that goalie tandem, you're going to be in every single game. So uh, I'm interested to see where they kind of keep going throughout the season. Yeah, it should definitely be interesting once uh, Pasternak gets gets back going again, and what they already have there. And I did pick this team to win a division. They are third right now. They have looked they've looked great. And they've looked completely mediocre, so we'll see yeah. once things get going. Yeah. Um, and if they make a third team to make a move, you know, for maybe some more defensive depth or something like that, we, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I'll move on to your fourth place team. It's your Pittsburgh Penguins in nine games. They are five, three, and one. 
uh, for 11 points. I think four of the five wins were comebacks. Uh, I think that's pretty close, at least. Uh, the goal leader is Crosby with four. The assist leader is Brandon Russ with five. Uh, points leader is Crosby again with eight. I just want to note here, Malkin in nine games has one goal, three assists for four points. Uh, they're discussing him a lot in uh, Pittsburgh right now, and we'll get into more Pittsburgh later for obvious reasons. Uh, Casey DeSmith in four games uh, played. is yeah, I believe he started three. He's 3 0 oh, and oh. Um, 3.05 goals against the average save percentage of 0.875. Tristan Jarry, six games played. He is 2-3-1. Goals against average of 3.93. And a save percentage of 0.859. They are the 19th power play, 25th PK, and they are 15 in the faceoff circle. Uh, power plays, I mean, their special teams is down uh, significantly, especially that penalty kill. We know what we're looking at with this team. They're getting older. They don't have all the guns, but they've managed to – have be in fourth where if a couple of those games go the other way, they could be in sixth or seventh easily. Uh, but they're still hanging on there. And some games they do look good. They're hanging with some good teams. They did knock off Washington twice, just took had to do it in overtime. They have had games where they've had to come back. This, this is one of the teams I've seen the most in overtime, just off the top of my head. Uh, your thoughts on the Pittsburgh Penguins? I think they're a ticking time bomb. Uh, I watched the, 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 obviously the two games the Flyers played against them. I thought the Flyers played, played pretty well. Um, Penguins had a few stretches of driving play, which not surprising with, with Sidney Crosby on the ice. Um, they only have one regulation win. Um, their goal differential is minus five. Um, I think they're at some point, the way they're playing is going to catch up to them. And I would not be shocked to see them finish, um, in the second to last or third to last position, just depending on where some of the other teams shake out. I, I don't think they're a deep team. I don't think they're a very good team. Malkin looks like a shell of what we've seen before. Um, outside of Crosby working his magic, there's just not much there. Like I love Gensel. I think Gensel's a really good player, but you can't build a team around two players in, in this division specifically and expect to win. Um, Dave Smith, he's he's three and zero. But he's three goals against and an 8.75 save percentage. That's that's just not going to get it done in this in this division. Um, Jari's look shaky. Um, he's got the two wins, but he's given up almost four goals a game, and he's a worse save percentage. Um, I just think at some point um, this is going to come crashing down. And as you alluded to, we'll get to the Rutherford situation in a bit, but I don't see good things happening for this team. And, and I think them being in fourth place. Uh, I don't think it's going to last very long. You, you can't win four out of out of your five wins in overtime and expect to be a, a good team at the end of the year, not to mention a minus five goal differential. So as much as I hate Crosby, he's one of the greatest players we're ever going to see in our generation. Um, but I think this team is kind of falling apart at the seams, and it's only a matter of time. <clears throat> yeah, this team unfortunately reminds me of an older version of – what the Flyers were back in, I want to say, like 2013 was the year that we played uh, the Rangers in the first round of the playoffs. The Rangers did go to the Cup, and we did take them to Game 7 and eventually lose in the first round. But we came back in, a, like, way too many games that year. I'll, I'll never yeah. forget that. We were always down. And oh, we yeah. were always coming back. And that team was young. This team's old. And you said when the defense catches up, they don't have that defense to catch up. Like they're going to be in trouble. That goal scoring is going to stop. 
you know, unless Malkin comes back out. And that core three right now of Latang, Malkin, and Crosby, only Crosby really seems to be doing anything. The other two have taken a uh, significant step back, at least at this point. Uh, and that's going to, it's going to bite them. If God forbid, if the injury bug really digs into this team, if they lose a major player, if they lose, imagine Marino went down for their D. Whew. Yeah, I mean, like that they would be in serious trouble. Um, they, I mean, I have like what I've seen from obviously uh, Yensel, like he's been doing his thing, and um, I think Kapanen's been pretty good because he he's a good defensive player. I think he's he's been written off as a third line player. Well, I wouldn't mind him on my third line at all. I think he's he's like a a guy who's going to get undervalued in his career, much like Scott Lawton did, and all of a sudden he's going to be on a higher line. That being said, that's about as far as I go with the. He still, it was still an overpayment to get him, and that's about as far as I go with his ceiling. And this team's going to fall apart really quick. So I'll move on so we can talk about them later. Uh, fifth place team, Buffalo Sabres, uh, nine games. They are 4-3-2, and two, although after and for 10 points, I will update this. Some of our stats won't be updated, but they did lose today, so they are now 4-4-2. Four, four and two, And I believe that may have knocked them into sixth, uh, or at least tied for sixth. Uh, their goal leader is uh, – these aren't up to date with uh, today's game. Uh, Victor Olofsson with four. Uh, assist leader is Taylor Hall with eight. Points leader is uh, Eichel and Hall are tied with nine. Uh, Allmark has played six games. He is 3-1-2 and two for a goals against average of 2.55, a save percentage of .914. Uh, Carter Hutton has played three games. He played today, so instead of 1-2, and two, he's probably 1-3. Uh, at the time before the game, his goals against average were 2.66, and his save percentage was .899. He gave up four goals today. The fifth one was an empty nether. Um, they are ninth in the power play, 11th in the PK, and third in the faceoff circle. Uh, I, it's hard to say, no matter what, even after today, they've been a bit of a surprise that we thought they'd probably be towards the bottom of the team. They do have that uh, – bottom of the standings, rather. They do have that top line there with Eichel. Um, I saw Skinner was trying today. He's not exactly in the best position to be scoring on the best line, but he's trying. Uh, Eichel and Hall doing their thing. Olsen, he's he's I think all, almost all his goals are coming on the power play. Um, and I really haven't heard much of Eric Stahl. If anything, I heard he hasn't really looked all that good. Rista Linen looked very good today. I believe he may have had two goals. It was hard to see who that set, who bounced off of that second goal. But he was he was in the offense and he was doing his thing on defense again. Uh, Darlene may have gotten the other goal, so the defense is picking up a little bit uh, offensively. But it's I just it's not going to be enough. They got to stop they got to stop starting Carter Hutton. They have to just go with Allmark. <laughs> this is not a one A one B. They just got to go with Allmark. If you ask me, the stats show it. The record shows it. Your thoughts on the Buffalo Sabers to this point? Uh, they're they're kind of right what I was expecting. They're Jekyll and Hyde. They'll come out, they'll play really well, as we saw against the Flyers, and then they'll come out and they won't play well. Um, a lot of their play is being driven by that top line and the power play. They're they're going to win some games. They're going to lose some games. They're going to look good. They're going to look bad. They're going to be all over the place. Like I actually I really agree with you. I think Olmark should be the guy. Um, Carter Hutton never really struck me as that type of player. Um, I think he's a, a solid backup, but I'd rather have Omar carrying the load right now. Um, I don't know. I just I think you're going to see some good, some bad. They're they're a young team. They're they're that type of team that you want to see them get a couple of gritty wins here and there. Um, but they're going to lose some of those games that they should win. Like you lose in a shootout to New Jersey last night, uh, and then or I'm sorry, you win in a shootout to New Jersey yesterday. And then today you come out, you get beat 5-3. Like, 
I just want to see them be a more consistent team. And that's that's what I think they're missing is that consistency. Um, Eichel, Hall, they're working out great. Um, but like you need a little bit more from from the, the rest of the team, the other lines to contribute. And I think that's where you see some of the inconsistency. And, and ultimately, I think they'll be fighting for a playoff spot. Um, I think they end up falling short, though. Yeah, and I have to 100% agree with you. The depth is going to be a huge issue with them. And if, God forbid, they take an injury to a major player, just forget it. Um, sixth place team, and I'm actually kind of surprised to see them in sixth place. Uh, in eight, uh, With eight games played, they are 3-3-2 for eight points. They did win today, so that would make them 4-3-2 for ten points. Uh, the goal leaders are Hughes and Wood with three. I believe both scored today, so that would make that four. Uh, assist leaders is Hughes and Ty Smith with five. Points leaders is Hughes with eight, which is now nine at the least. Uh, I just want to note that rookie defenseman Ty Smith is in second with seven points. Uh, Blackwood, when he was here early, he played three games. He was 2-0-1 with a goals against average of 1.89 and a save percentage of .948. That may be the highest on this list here. Very small sample size. Ne- needless to say, it is very impressive. Uh, Wedgwood, who's got the bulk of the play now, has five games played. He is 1-3-1, 2.8 goals against average, and a .901 save, percent, save percentage. Excuse me. Uh, their power play is 23rd in the league. Their penalty kill is 29th. And their faceoff percentage is dead last at 31st. Some really bad numbers there, uh, but maybe that's why they're not higher. I just feel like they're always in games for the most part. Every, I've seen a lot of Devils games. Uh, they, they have a well. You said Pittsburgh was a ticking time bomb in a negative way. I almost view the Devils in a they could do that in a positive way uh, for them anyway. They could get Blackwood back. I don't know if they can add anybody or anything, but with with Ty Smith playing the way he is, with Hughes turning into what he can be. Uh, P.K. Savans looked better at times, but even McLeod had a beautiful breakaway goal today. He was really flying. If he, if he, it's only a second goal of the season, but if you can get a guy like him going, um, a couple other guys on their team going, Miles Woods a really nice, solid player to have. Uh, this, I can see them pushing for a playoff spot, and it, depending on how things break, sneaking in, they they look strong. It could fall off. Uh, but if Blackwood comes back and and just continues to play as well as he is, we could be looking at a real pesky out as you said at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season so your thoughts on those currently sixth place possibly fifth place new jersey devils uh jack hughes looks like a completely different player from last year um last year it looked like if you uh blew on him like a little gust of wind he would have gotten knocked over this year like it's he's really hard to separate from the puck and you know who he reminds me of um a little bit is barzell uh, when the puck's on his stick, he make thing, he makes things happen. He protects it really well. He wins board battles. So I got to say, like last year I was down on him a little bit. I know it was his first year, so I was going to give him a, a full pass. But this year he's come out and he's played incredibly well. And I think he's driving a lot of what you're seeing from New Jersey. Um, they're, they're the team that doesn't know they're not supposed to be winning games. Um, they're young. They're hungry. Um, every single line plays with a little bit of a reckless abandon. Um, they're, I'm not ready to say they're going to be pushing for a playoff spot. Um, in a short season, maybe they get propped up a little bit. Um, I think you're going to see them have really close games. Um, ultimately, I feel like they're going to fall short in the scoring department. Um, Blackwood's been playing well. Um, he's in the uh, the COVID protocol. Um, I think they're, they're just going to... They're going to be hurting on defense. Subban, there are times where he looks 
decent. He's got a good shot, but then it's like he takes a couple stupid penalties like he did against the Flyers the other night. And it's like the fact that he's making $9 million is just incredible um, for what he brings. And, and their power play, just not scoring enough. They're playing really well as a team. Um, ultimately, I just don't think they're going to be able to carry that um, as these teams in the division hit their stride. But I got to say that that reverse ticking time bomb with them, if they start to add a few pieces and some of these guys start to mature a little bit, they're, they're in a good position um, as far as young talent goes and um, obviously, we know they had the three first round picks this year. So they're uh, they're they're looking like they're headed in the, the right direction, as opposed to a team like Pittsburgh, who it looks like they want to keep going. But they're, that hill is just too steep to climb. Yeah. And we've seen some teams when they start to come out of their shell and they're ready to be, quote unquote, good. Um, and it's like, oh, here they've arrived. And then they fall back. And I could see that happening with the Devils. Um, and you're right about uh, Sapan. He, he's taking up a huge chunk of that cap. He needs to be a lot better than he's been. But when he's on and the rest of the team is on, they're a bitch. That being said, Flyers, Flyers, they had him. They, they didn't look good for the majority of the six periods they played against them, but they did they did take home two wins. A lot yep. of it was goaltending, if you ask me, but you know, Harlem never gets the credit he deserves, so it is what it is. Um, we'll move on to the New York Islanders. Uh, so shockingly, it's seventh place. To start this season, eight games played. They are three, four, and one for only seven points. Their goals and their goals leader is Barzell with three. Their assist leader is Barzell with five. Their points leader is Barzell with eight. Uh, rookie defenseman Noah Dobson is uh, in second with five. Barlamov has been the, probably the biggest news for them so far this season. I don't think he's tested very often, but when he has been, he's looked pretty good. In six games, he is 3-2-1 and one for a goals against average of two, just two goals. Uh, his save percentage is .924. Sorokin, who's only really gotten into two games of play, is 0-2-0, 3.56 goals against average, and a save percentage of .875. They are 20th excuse me, in the power play rankings, 16 in the penalty kill, and second in the faceoff circle. Their uh, penalty kill I thought would be better, although it's it's about you know league, league average. The power play is okay. Um, Flyers, they did tie it and force overtime, but they didn't look as dominant against the Flyers as they did in the playoffs. And then the Flyers' overtime magic, kept, you know, we were able to keep it. Um, what are your thoughts here on the Islanders? I, they're, when they're winning, they really look strong. They, they have... They shut teams down, shut them out. They, like they handled a team like the Devils, at least the first time they played them, and won like four to one. Um, and you know Barzell and Eberlay and those kind of guys, they were they were really moving and doing doing good. But like I look at the record and I'm just like, are they who? Are they? They're just not closing out games. They're not jumping ahead. I don't think they've really been blown out, but they're just not at this point. They don't look like the team I saw in the bubble. They look more like the team that we see in the regular season. They they just don't score. Um, they're last in the division in goals four. Um, they're minus four in goal differential. They, they just don't put the puck in the back of the net. If it's not Barzell scoring, it, like Dobson's been like, and watching Dobson yesterday, that was the closest look I've got at him. He looks, he looks solid. Um, I can see why they traded Devon Taves. Um, I still think that might've been a mistake, but, um, Dobson's the real deal. Um, he's going to be a really good player in this league for a long time. Um, I, I just don't see they're, they're not getting any secondary scoring right now. Um, I think that the, that style of play is catching up with them. So um, Varlamov has looked stellar this year. Um, 
they're just they're they're not doing a good job of of creating offense if it's not that Barzell line and they they just need someone else to to carry it. Um, JGP has been a little bit of a disappointment. He's only got three points on the year. Uh, they're they're a complete team, but they're a complete team that I think is lacking uh, a superstar to play with Barzell, um, like a line A type that can put the puck in the back of the net from no matter where he is. Uh, I think they're gonna start to creep up the standings as Pittsburgh starts to tick down. But if you can put up some goals on them um, and if you can get to Varlamov, I, I don't think they're that difficult to beat. I mean, we saw them yesterday. I thought the Flyers played a, a decent game. They had stretches where I thought they looked good, but they're, like I said earlier, they're, the Flyers aren't playing their A game and they still came away with a win. Um, if, if the Islanders had more scoring punch, I think the Flyers probably lose that game, but, they're they're going to be in games, but I just think they're going to have a hard time winning two to one games in this this type of NHL. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they want to win. They want to win their games two to one, you know, three to two, and yeah, just keep hard doing that. And yeah, in today's day and age, with how talented these guys are, I mean, it's great for close playoff games. They're the, they're the pesky team, and teams like the Flyers hate that. And when we went up two zero, I was all sorts of excited. Uh, they did manage to tie it because they do have some guys that can put the puck in the net. But like you're saying, ultimately, um, they're I think we alluded to this last week after their if I took away their like four to one win over the Devils, they would have only had five goals for five goals against. And I just don't think that they've added a whole lot. They're just not going to score a lot. and They're not going to give up a lot of goals. But right now, it just seems they're getting scored on a little bit. And, and it's funny because Varlamov has looked so good. Um, like you said. And I always feel this way with them. They're going to creep up the lineup. I think, like you said, uh, the Penguins will fall. Uh, Buffalo will probably fall a little bit. The Devils might even come back down there. That's all we know. Um, I, I, think the, I think the cream always rises to the top. And uh, this, the, they have a lot of good players who can put puck in the net, but they're defense first. So it's almost like these individual efforts are being forced to try to get the, the, the game tied or take the lead and hold the lead. And It might be a – flawed system right now but we know that if there's any coach who can turn that around it's going to be uh barry trotz and this hey, team we, we know this team we know his system works for sure exactly. um you don't get to the eastern conference final without that but he, he you're kind of handcuffing some of that goal scoring by playing it the way you're playing it so maybe it picks up maybe they start scoring a little bit more and that balances out um but it, you're it's going to be really tough to win in this division if you've got uh, you're averaging two goals a game. Yeah, and, that, and that's what it is. And it, it's a shame because, well, it's not a shame because they're I, I, <laughs> they're going to be issues. So them having <laughs> these losses now is great. And the fact that we beat them was even better. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight in about two hours now. Uh, but, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about more of the Islanders because I'm sure they're, we're not done. This is just the beginning. Once things get going, uh, I'm sure they'll be right back and there'll be trouble. Uh, and in last place, and it's not too much of a surprise, I didn't have them pick for last. I had them around sixth, and it's still early in the season. The New York Rangers, eighth place, eight games played. They are 2-4-2 two, and two for six points. Their goal leader is Panarin with four. Assist leader is Panarin with five. Points leader is Panarin with nine. Uh, and second is Busnevich with seven. And in third is uh, Giuseppe and Fox tied with five. The reason I put those names in there – um, your where's Zavidajad, Lafreniere, Capo? You know those guys we're not seeing a whole lot of, and I think that's part of the reason. And I would have normally said D'Angelo. We'll definitely get more into that later, but that's part of the reason why I think this team is in last, as well as 
And I'll jump to Shurkin, who's played five games. He's 1-2-1 two, and one, with a goals against average of 2.73. Save percentage is .894. Georgiev is four games played, 1-2-1, and one, 3.27 goals against average, and .886 save percentage. They are 21st in the power play, 23rd in PK, and nearly dead last. Only the New Jersey Devils have a worse face-off percentage than they do at 30%. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty apparent what's going on with the Rangers here. Um, there, there's definitely some locker room issues. I've even heard Dan Quinn's name be mentioned. God forbid they do move on from him. They, um, I don't know if they would do that, but it is starting to be discussed a little bit. The little murmurs that start, um, Jack Johnson is, is, uh, circus act. And (laughs) what's funny is if he were to be cut or, uh, fire Dan Quinn, the guy who would replace him, I believe would be. Uh, Jack, uh, Jack, was it Jack Martin? Jack Martin. Yeah. yeah, Jack Martin, who I believe was the last team he head coached the Montreal Canadiens that we beat yes, in Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Yep. So the funny thing is, I heard somebody, and this is from, I'll be honest, this is from uh, Hockey Buzz. It was a friend of the pod, Russ Cohen, speaking with uh, Michael Ajello, and Michael Ajello said, you know, whoever, well, whoever likes Jack Johnson should be fired, and Russ <laughs> said. Well, if they do move on from Dan Quinn, the guy who likes Jack Johnson might be the next coach in Jack Martin. You know, so it'd be interim basis, obviously, and it's been alluded to. Well, what about all these other coaches that are out there? Jack Martin's already on staff. That's why he would probably, if they, they're probably not going to do that. You know, there seems to be more internal struggles. This was obviously before the D'Angelo news, um, but there seems to be a lot going on there. Lafrenia did get his first goal. Maybe that's a sign of things to come. But, Steve, I'll hand it over to you. Your thoughts on the last place New York Rangers. You, you kind of beat me to it. I was going to hit you with a hot take there. I, I don't think Dan Quinn makes it through the season. Well, uh, so you're, okay, so I was saying it was being alluded to, but you're like, I this is it. I, you think? I, I think the – so I, I didn't think the Rangers were ready yet to win. Um, after last year, I thought they played pretty well. I thought you saw them taking a step forward with some players – um, Panarin obviously is fitting in really nice. You re-signed Kreider. Uh, Zibanejad had uh, one of his career years. Um, you supposedly had D'Angelo, Adam Fox. Like everything looked, and then you had your two goalies. It was like, all right, let's see who who's going to take over that job. They come out and they're more or less shit in the bed so far. Um, I think in hockey circles, the you can't. It's hard to change the players you have on the ice. I mean. Um, you're not getting rid of Panarin, Kreider, any of the, you're, you're not moving your big guns. The thing you can do to shake up a team is uh, fire the head coach. And I think to me, that's Dan Quinn. I was always, I was never really sold on him. I, I thought he was a decent coach, but um, there was something about him. I was never really, he kind of, and maybe it's, he reminded me a little bit of Hackstall. I don't know why it was just, just something about him. Um, but I will be surprised if he makes it through the season. And, and, you know, I'd even put money on him being the first coach fired this year. Um, this keeps up. You might be right. And now the, the locker room, I have so many questions about this scene. The locker room could be an upheaval with everything going on. Maybe this D'Angelo thing was for the best. They definitely lost a talented defenseman. Uh, my favorite part of Dan Quinn would, would, for me would have to be when his mask is on, he looks like Dr. Strange. And that's probably the, <laughs> yes, my favorite part about him. He really does. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you think that the loss of Lundqvist, not so much on an ice, but in a locker room presence had, is, is maybe there's something there? 
there's definitely something there. You don't have a guy that's been the face of your franchise um, for his career leave and not have some ramifications. Um, I think they, I mean, I think it was still a good move. I think they had to move on based on a salary, based on the other two goalies. Um, but I, I know I brought this up before this. I think it was before the season when we did our Rangers deep dive. Like Shesterkin played so well last year. Georgiev looked great. But they were always kind of in the shadow of Lundqvist. Um, you can always kind of fall back. Now, I know Lundqvist was scratched for a bunch of games, and they were the two that were kind of taken over. But the story was always Lundqvist. It was never really about them. Um, I wonder if now that the bright lights are on these two guys and they're kind of, quote unquote, the guys or one of them is supposed to be the guy, if that's uh, kind of messing with them a little bit. And I, I just think there's something off with this whole team and it's hard to change that culture um, without kind of canning the head coach, unfortunately. So that's my I, that's my uh, prediction. Early season prediction is Dan Quinn is the first uh, coach let go this year. Well, it's hard to argue that. I really, I can't imagine other teams. Is anybody else in any team really jump out there? I, I don't even as bad as the Oilers are right now. I That's wouldn't what even I was say. Yeah, I mean, they're the only team that jumps comes to mind. Everything else like Anaheim and and the Kings, you kind of expected that. Uh, a couple yeah, no, of, nobody else is really disappointing. Like uh, Colleton, you knew what Bla- the Blackhawks were going through. Um, Senators, you knew they were going to be a little rough. The Flames, maybe, um, but it's still early. They've only played seven games. Uh, Oilers with Tippett, I could see, but I think you're not getting any goaltending and you're and without Clefbaum and the, the back end is just so depleted. Um, what about Sharks, San Jose? I'm, tr- I'm trying to think, yeah. They're, they're, they weren't expected to be any good anyway. So to me, the, the obvious candidate for major disappointment thus far is the Rangers, and I don't think there's anybody that's particularly close. The only thing, yeah, and I agree with that, but the only thing with the, the San Jose Sharks is last year they were expected to be a favorite. And did they fire their coach last year? I can't, I really honestly don't remember. Yeah, they fired uh, DeBoer and he went they to had, Vegas. Yeah, okay. And who's their coach now? Do you even know? Bob Bugner. Oh, God. Okay. Forget, forget <laughs> I said anything. Um, yeah, so <laughs> with that, let's move on to some uh, Metro, Mass Mutual, East, whatever you want to call it, news. Did anything some happen big? this week? Anything outside of hockey? You know, I was really scratching and crawling to find what I could. And um, Jim Rutherford, the GM of your Pittsburgh Penguins, walks out. He quits. Um, Some speculation at first was health reasons, and I found out he is perfectly healthy. Um, (laughs) It has not been noted really yet, at least that I've seen. I heard one rumor that he was possibly looking at moving Latang. I don't know what for. And ownership wanted to keep him, and then he ended up quitting. Um, before I get into some of the top candidates to take over for him, your thoughts on this whole ordeal? I was really surprised that, I mean, something like this doesn't just happen nine, eight, nine games into the season with a team like Pittsburgh. Um, I was absolutely floored by this. Uh, I wonder if it's, a if it's a power struggle, uh, maybe Mario and the ownership wanted a little bit more say, um, maybe they're looking at it from a rebuilding standpoint, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, let's go for it standpoint. And Rutherford kind of looks at it, um, the way I talked about earlier, where it's like, we, we know we're not up to snuff in this division in, in the NHL. So let's move Latang, uh, let's move, maybe move Malkin if we can get anything for him and kind of start that process now. But they said he left, 
Um, they said he quit. I wonder if it was you're not doing what we want. So he's like, uh, if I can't do run this team the way I want to, then I'm out. Um, that would be my guess, given how long he's been in this league. But it was shocking. It really was. The timing's off, too. I mean, he yeah, did, exactly. all he did in the uh, offseason with the Hornquist trade. Um, I mean, maybe they're seeing that, as we said all offseason, uh, this team is being carried right now by what they already have, not anything yep. they added. You know, and they lost Murray. Uh, they traded Murray, I should say. They didn't lose him. They gave him a lot. Well, they traded him. Um, they lost Hornquist, and the guy they brought, Matheson, has not been good at all. Um, Shocker. Yeah, right. Kapanen's been okay, but for what they gave up, I, I always said if they were going to move that pick in that draft, it should have been for defense. Um, and they just went another way with it, and this is who they are. And they're lucky to be where they're at. We all expect them to kind of fall off. And I think if the rain, if the, Penguins, where they're at right now, fourth place was a believable fourth place. This doesn't happen. Like they, I think they see the writing on the wall here. Like, yeah, we're in fourth place right now, but it's early and there's a lot of issues here. And you know, you're probably right. Rutherford is not going to be told what to do. He's got what three cups to his name when you include Carolinas. I believe he won one with Carolina. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if how yeah, far back yeah. that goes. Yep. Yeah. So in two here with Pitt, you know, he's not going to be told. So he's old anyway. So he just figures out, oh, screw it. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously saying he made this may not have taken place. I'm just speculating. <laughs> uh, but it, it seems to be what it could be because what else? And when you consider some of the candidates, the one, the number one one I heard and what you just alluded to about trading Malkin and getting pieces back and trying to rebuild or whatever is Ron Hextall. Ron Hextall is one of the first names I've heard. He's an advisor for the Kings right now. He's it's an easy hire for that they want to give it to him. Uh, I'm sure they they better do their research on a couple of things. Um, before we start talking uh, candidates, I'll, let me just name them all, and then we'll get into it. Uh, other, a few other names is uh, former NHLer Chris Drury. He's currently an assistant to the G, uh, just a GM to the Rangers. John Ferguson Jr. is director of player personnel with the Bruins. Chris McFarland's assistant GM to the Avalanche. Former Flyer, longtime uh, Florida Panther Scott Mellenby is an assistant to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, former Current free agent, former New Jersey and Pittsburgh GM, who which he won a cup with in 2009, Ray Shiro, son of Flyers great coach Fred Shiro. Uh, Jason Barrell, recently hired as an assistant to the expansion Seattle Kraken. Peter Shirelli, I still can't believe that name is on the list. <laughs> uh, Mathe Darche, Darche, I don't know. Tampa Bay's director of hockey operations. And finally, Big Baldy himself, Pierre Maguire. Uh, your thoughts on those list of candidates who are realistic and who are not? Uh, I keep hearing Hextall's name too. Um, I love Hexy. Uh, I love what he left with the fly. He left the flyers with, um, I don't want him to get this job based on what he ended up giving us and all the pieces we had that he was able to get. Um, I think that would be, he's like the kind of pseudo Sam Hinkie. Um, for all you Sixers fans out there, uh, tear it down, uh, tear it down to the studs, get what you can for what you have, and then start building there. Um, I think this is kind of what the Penguins need. I'm hoping they don't hire him um, for selfish reasons. Plus, it would be weird to see Hextall um, associated with Pittsburgh. Um, Drury, I've heard his name mentioned a bunch of times in the past. Um, I don't know if he's going to leave the Rangers just yet. Um, Scott Mellonby, same deal. Uh, I think he's got a good thing going in, uh, with the Canadians, but you never know. 
Um, Shiro feels like a retread. I don't think they're necessarily in a position to hire him. Um, Botteril was the other hot name I kept hearing. And like, if you have the option to go to Seattle or Pittsburgh right now, I would, or normally I would say Pittsburgh would probably be the more attractive destination, but you're kind of doing the same thing. And at least with Seattle, you get to handpick your players in the draft. So I'd argue that Seattle might be a more attractive. Um, and Pierre, I think it's like that courtesy interview, um, new GM spot opens. We're going to interview Pierre. Um, I mean, the guy's seen how much hockey, so, you know, he's got to have a, a good knowledge of the game and I'm sure he, he, he's probably a good candidate, but to me, uh, if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm targeting Hextall and I'm targeting Botterill um, and, and hoping I can get one of those two guys. Yeah, from what I've read, it's definitely Hextall. Chris Jury, to me, right now, he'll be a GM one day. Um, yep. You remember, he he's really the guy who got uh, Kevin Hayes and uh, Jimmy Vesey to sign with the Rangers, from all I've heard. Um, they really like him. He, he reminds me of what Hextall at least reputation was when he was jumping around with the Kings and whoever, like he was like the hottest free agent, well not free agent, but like guy to be interviewed for a GM position. And the only reason he came to Phillies because he played here. Uh, I, I can see him doing that. Um, I think he wants to be GM of the Rangers. I just don't know when that's going to take place. Yeah. That's, that's the sense I get too. But you know what? Iserman did go to Tampa before he came back to Detroit. Maybe something sure. like that has to go down. It's always good to get your feet wet somewhere as well. Chris Jury's really worked his way up, so I mean, we'll see with that one. Uh, they'd have to pay him a hell of a lot of money, in my opinion. Um, John Ferguson Jr. I honestly don't know a lot about, nor uh, McFarland, except for the fact that the Avalanche are very good. <laughs> they, <laughs> they built mainly through the draft and trading. Uh, a lot of, you know, Saka gets a lot of credit for that, but um, I mean, you gotta. It's not just. It can't just be him. Uh, I was actually surprised to see Mellonby was an assistant GM. I did not know that, and that team for they were. A couple of years ago, people were asking for their GM's head, and now they're looking pretty good. Uh, I totally agree with Shiro as a retread. That'd be silly, although that has gotten some steam. That seems stupid to me. Botterill, yeah, that's a question. Um, where I read in the athletic article I read, it was more of a – it wasn't one of their top five front runners, Botterill, but that could change. Uh, yeah. If it were me, I would probably stay in Seattle. I feel like building a team from the ground up, that's so unique. Um, unless you just love Pittsburgh and if you think that they have a, um, a great reputation to be a part of them as their general manager is too much to, to bear then by all means. But um, Shirelli, no, he should never be a G. I wouldn't even take him as an assistant. <laughs> they want to say that he won a, a cup of Boston. He didn't draft half those players. They were already drafted by the previous GM. Uh, seriously, and, and, and they just didn't give him time to develop. So I, I don't think Shirelli should be on any list. Uh, I understand wanting the Tampa Bay's director of hockey operations potentially with how well they draft in this Mathe Darche, uh, but ultimately don't know enough about him. Pierre Maguire, listen, he was head coach of the Minnesota Wild, and his uh, I think it was a Wild, and uh, or um, Minnesota North Stars, excuse me. I think it was one of those teams. I'm not 100 percent sure. My I'm dating myself here. He um. Wasn't his strategy was to put one man on uh, Mario Lemieux on a penalty kill or penalty <laughs> yeah. something, something ridiculous? Yeah, and he yep, got burned. That was him. Uh, this guy is a Pittsburgh Penguins fanboy, always has been. Um, he would love to get this job, and he would never trade Crosby if he did. 
but I don't see it happening. I here's they'll hire somebody and say that he was in close considerations. Like, yeah, exactly. He, he'll never get it. One name that's not on this list that kind of surprises me, and I'm not 100% sure he is right now, is the G, the uh, assistant GM who lost out to the guy in Toronto. It's du- Kyle Dubas won the job. Kyle Dubas is the current general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I believe it was something Hunter. Mark Hunter? I want to say Mark Hunter was the other guy. There were two factions up there in um, – in uh, Toronto, and I they chose Kyle Dubas, and I just felt like I don't know where Mark Hunter is now, but if his name emerged, it would not surprise me. I just don't know if he's a rebuilding type of general manager, much like Hextall is. Uh, Hextall, if they do go that route, does make the most sense, and I would hope that if they do keep Hextall, he hires Hextall, and they he just continues to do what he did <laughs> at the NHL level with the Flyers and not add for now so in like 10 years the team they could have all these great prospects and what have you but they're losing guys because they can't get playing time and they just won't add anybody and you know but then again the gm it was his first time with the team maybe he learned something maybe it's ultimately there could be some funny storylines i don't want hexel in pittsburgh same here uh so we'll see what happens with that that was definitely odd i believe they're whoever their assistant gm is currently taking over but you know what does that really mean? So um, I, I, they, you think they act pretty swiftly? I, I hope we would know what before Valentine's Day, or because they, they gotta uh, have somebody in place for the trade deadline. My, my guess is they'll let the assistant run it, um, with input from the ownership, um, uh, and maybe because I, I don't know if they'll be able to get. Maybe there's a guy that they want that's in another organization. I, I don't know if another organization would let them pluck that guy mid-season. Maybe they would. Um I don't know if they have that that kind of uh power, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if this if it stays vacated. I think uh New Jersey kind of did the same thing last year. So I w- they could go either way, but it depends on who they want um and what he's currently doing. Like if it's wow. Botterill, I could see him coming right in. But if it's someone that's employed with another team, uh, they might they might keep him for now. Yeah, the odd thing is, it's just it's so early in the season that something right. like this yeah. has happened. We see it with yeah. coaches, and even that's kind of rare. But GMs, that's very strange. Um, all right, we'll move on from the Penguins news and the biggest, probably the biggest news, and this happened a few hours before we got going here. Uh, Anthony D'Angelo placed on waivers by the New York Rangers. Uh, I'm just going to read parts of an article I got here. Uh, Most of it is Dan Quinn speaking. Uh, Quote, it's a decision we made as an organization in 24 hours. We'll be able to probably be a little bit more specific and address the situation differently. End quote. Then Quinn on rumors on social media that an incident involving D'Angelo may have happened after Saturday night's game. Quote, there's always rumors so i'm not going to address rumors this isn't one about one incident it's about it's not about one thing this is a situation the organization felt was best at the current time we'll see how the situation plays out end quote quinn had benched d'angelo 25 for the second game of the season after he had taken a third period unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for slamming the penalty box door and yelling at officials after getting hit with a holding penalty he sat out the next game as well before getting back into the lineup for the last five games d'angelo whom the rangers gave a two-year 9.6 million dollar contract back in october played just over 20 minutes on saturday night this decision came just a day after d'angelo was on the ice for four goals against and a 5-4 overtime loss to the penguins quinn Quote, things happen in pro sports, and that was a decision the organization made. We'll see how the waiver wire situation plays out, end quote. Your thoughts on Anthony D'Angelo hitting waivers? 
I was shocked by this. Uh, I know they haven't been happy with his play, but uh, man, I did not see this coming. And the the altercation you referred to, him and uh, Georgia have got into it after the game uh, when he was on the ice for those four goals. So I, I know it was a spat between those two. I don't know exactly how heated it got, but it's this is the other thing. And, and this is kind of why I alluded to thinking Dan Quinn's the first guy to go. It's hard to have that kind of turmoil in your locker room and not fire your coach. Like D'Angelo, you, you place him on waivers. I don't know that he's a very good locker room guy. Um, so maybe that was an easy decision. If if you're trying to get this locker room together, he was the piece that had to go for now. Um, but man, talk about a, a wild saga that, that they've got going on here. He signs his uh, RFA deal, um, two for almost five per and now you you got the guy on on waivers, uh, ho- probably hoping someone claims him or you send him to the minors or maybe the taxi squad. But uh, what, what a disappointment that is. And, and it looked like he finally had his head screwed on straight. I know he's still got some off ice stuff, but he had a career year last year. And then he comes out and he does this. Um, you got to wonder how many chances he, he's got left in the NHL. Uh, maybe a new coach could come in and, and kind of um, fix him up and maybe a different style of play helps him. But 25 years old, getting put on waivers after signing a, a, a new contract and getting scratched in a couple games, it, it's not a good look. It's not a good look for the team. It's not a good look for the player. Um, I, I was shocked. I, I just I heard that news and I was driving home from hockey and I heard it and I was like, I, I had to check it because I thought I heard wrong. Um, but man, you're the, the Rangers are in uh, in a weird place right now. And this might be the first step out of that. But I, I kind of still feel like it's going to get worse before it gets better. I just can't believe how fast everything happened. I mean, we are yeah. they are eight games in eight or nine. And I know they're not playing well, but they just paid this guy. And I know it's not a big commitment because it's only two year deals, but it is a financially big commitment. And he's got he's got talent. He's got value. So say he does get claimed and they get that money back, like they just lost a piece that they could have flipped or had on their back end, which they are missing. They are missing defensive players. They're already trying to wait out two other contracts. They already bought out Mark Stahl. Uh, Jack Johnson signing was probably the worst signing of the offseason. Like, and he's it, it's a shit show for them back on D. Adam Fox is like the only good thing they have on defense right now. And it's and it, you see this is affecting the whole locker room. So I get it from that respect. But like th- this is a huge hole for them, and it just seems to be getting really, really bad. So I think it, the more I read this and think about the locker room, I originally thought the spat was between D'Angelo and Quinn. Hearing it was with the, the Georgiev, who has been pr- a much more valuable player to the team than D'Angelo has. And say what you will about his career year, it's the goalie here, and he played – he was probably Georgia was probably the best goalie last year. Like I'm not probably he was, he was the better oh, yeah. goalie of all three for the Rangers. And he's, his stats are, you know, not looking so hot this year. I don't think he's played all that bad. I don't think the stats show how screwed he's getting. He's not good, but it's, it's not as bad as the stats show me. I, I do think it's a, their defense as a whole. Uh, maybe it is a little bit on Quinn. Um, and like you said, D'Angelo was out there for four of them, so he must not be doing something defensively that he should be doing. So I, I don't know. I, I just, this is very strange. I've never quite seen anything like a 25-year-old on a very nice deal with talent on defense, which is where the league is going. I mean, listen, I'm glad this happened to a rival and not us, but holy cow, 
And I guess I'll leave it with, do you think somebody claims him? No, I, I, I would be sh- the only way I think someone claims it. Well, I'll start with this. I, I think it's really hard for in this flat cap year for someone to absorb $4.8 million um, without making another move. It's not impossible, but I think that's going to be a hindrance. I, unless it's a locker room with really strong leadership um, where if he comes in, the, he he's going to get read the riot act right from, from day one. And if he messes anything up, he's out. But I don't think anybody claims him. I think he goes unclaimed and I think they either just bury him on the taxi squad for now, or maybe send him down to the minors. Um, I know AHL is starting up, uh, I think next week. Um, so maybe they let him go down there think about his, his bad play for a little bit, uh, maybe a little timeout. Um, but I don't think this is the last we're going to hear of D'Angelo and the Rangers in a uh, little, little drama. Yeah, it's really strange. I'm trying to think of anybody because it's not a long commitment, two years. The money is definitely an issue. Um, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. Well, it would surprise me because you don't want a cancer, uh, and I get that. Right. But sometimes right. you know as well as I do these teams will look past some really bad shit just, just to get better. So, uh, I But mean, I don't even want to I, speculate with teams. I don't know their current cap situations. I just, I just look at fits, but even then I think some of these GMs are smarter than that. I mean, I can't remember anything like this where a guy that young that just signed a, a two-year contract getting put on waivers right away. I mean, we know McDonald got put on waivers, but that was a few years into a bad deal. So I don't think it's quite the same situation. This is just – it's really surprising, and it's it's uh, it's like one – it's a car wreck. You can't look away as a, as a rival fan. So keep it coming. Yeah, I mean, McDonald's because he sucked. <laughs> yeah <laughs> donald ugh. anyway so the last sorry thing we'll to, talk sorry about to bring up that is shivers you know shivers maybe he'll wind up in pittsburgh and you know pop up there when they get oh, that's great um so we'll we'll finish off with some vince dunn rumors and i think it's relevant in a sense that our entire division uh is looking for some defense and the four biggest cities associated with vince dunn have been the philadelphia flyers we'll talk about it relax and uh, the Boston Bruins, Pittsburgh Penguins, and now especially the New York Rangers. Um, and he's got one year at 1.8, so he's super cheap. I believe he's only 25 years old. Yep, 25. So he is literally Anthony D'Angelo's age. And ninth, in his whole stats. I'm sorry, 24. Career, his, his rookie year, which was 17-18, 75 games played, 5 goals, 19 assists, 24 points. Next year, 78 games played, 12 goals, 23 assists, 35 points. Last year, 71 games played, 9 goals, 14 assists, 23 points. And so far this year, he's got 7 games played, 2 goals, and an assist for 3 points. I mean, he is definitely more of an offensive uh, defenseman. Uh, I don't think his defense is that all that bad. Um, he is young. Uh, I, I don't think Philly is in on this simply because while we could dangle a pick because we have so many prospects and whatnot, I don't like the price I'm hearing, which I get why St. Louis would ask for a first and looking for these teams would probably be a late first. I really don't know. Um, do you see him being moved? I know that St. Louis wants to restock their cover with some picks, and that's why they're dangling him. But uh, what are your thoughts on this, this these rumors? I, I mean, I like Don as a player. I, Obviously, being in the West, you don't see him quite as much. But from what I've seen, he looks like your modern-day puck-moving defenseman. Um, he can move. He throws his body around a little bit. 
And I always felt like he was kind of buried on that team. Um, and then I thought maybe Petrangelo leaving, he'd get a little bit more of a an opportunity. But it's it's kind of puzzling. When I heard his name, I think he got scratched earlier this week or maybe late last week. Um, I heard he got scratched, and then I heard about the trade stuff, and I was like, I was really surprised. And I I almost wonder if it's uh we're we've got uh, Krug, um, we've got Pareko. So so they've got some guys up front, and if they're not going to utilize him the way and they uh, Falk, I'm sorry, the the last guy I couldn't I couldn't think of him, um, but maybe their thinking is if we're not going to utilize him in the best possible way, like he's not getting on the power play, the first power play or second power play with those three defensemen in front of him, and I think he's a he's the type that can get a, give your power play a shot in the arm. Um, he can help move the puck, but buried on the third pair. I don't know if he brings quite the same value that they could recoup in maybe a late first round pick or a second and a, and a, a conditional pick. Um, so I think that's kind of them taking advantage of a situation where they're deeper on the back end and they could afford to lose him and maybe get something good for him. So I think he ends up getting moved because I think we're, with the rumors, I think it's hard to put that that kind of cat back in the bag, if you will. Um but I'd like him as a player. I would like him on the Flyers, but kind of same deal. Where do, where does he slot into your lineup? Maybe you maybe you get him and he fit, fits with Provorov, um, but I don't know if the Flyers are going to make a move like that uh, based on their cap situation and some of the other pieces they already have. Yeah, if they do dangle a first-round pick for a defenseman, I do hope it's somebody who's much better on the defensive end. And you made a good point right, right. about him being underutilized. Let's remember, like they traded for Kevin Falk um, before, well, they still have Pachangelo, and that was viewed as when they resigned him or extended him, that was viewed as something of a replacement. Uh, then they let Pachangelo go, and they brought in Tory Krug. So, and these are all guys who move the puck. These are all guys who are offensive defensemen, and, and, you know. And so it does make sense. And I guess they could use some more picks or whatever they need. And you know, I, I, odds of him coming to Philly, in my opinion, are I don't even want to say 25. percent I'm thinking like 15 percent. Um, Boston, since they did nothing on D. Uh, I put them around 30, 35%. Pittsburgh, I don't know who's running things right now. So it's it's hard for me to consider them uh, at all, really. So I'll just keep them at a 20%, I guess. And the Rangers have nothing right now, but are they looking to add? Um, he's young enough. They'd have to resign him. That could be an issue. Are they going to dangle more picks for a guy? I mean, they can use all the defensive help they can get, but how much money do they really have? They have so many. They can't really afford to just pay him next year with the money they have committed to D'Angelo with the all the guys they bought out and maybe they could I don't I don't know I mean Panarin's a hefty contract a bit of Jag Kreider it depends on what they would do I think they'll stay in it as long as he's available but I I think that out of the four the Rangers are the most likely team uh your thoughts on where he could potentially end up if he is traded See, to me, the Rangers aren't ready to win yet. Um, they have like $400,000 in cap space. I think they'd have to move someone. Um, St. Louis doesn't have a lot of cap space, so I don't think that they're necessarily looking to take on money. Like if, if you say a, a D'Angelo for Dunn swap type of idea, I, I don't think the St. Louis is willing to do that because they don't really have any cap room anyway. Um, Philly, also, I think they'll be in the mix. Uh, ultimately, I doubt that they make that move. Um, like you said, I think they could use a Bogosian type more so than they could use him. Um, or I'm sorry, Ristolainen. Uh, got the two guys mixed. Um, 
Boston makes a lot of sense, though. Uh, I think he would fit in well there. I think they still need something else on the back end to help. But my most likely destination is going to be Boston. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. Like we said, they didn't do anything. They let Chara walk. They let Krug walk, and they did not replenish it. Um, the Rangers might not be ready. If they had more money, I could see them bringing him in and extending him. Yeah, um, yep. Or getting a look and then extending him. But I, they, I, don't, I think they're in trouble. They, they bought out a lot of guys, and now they committed to D'Angelo, and that money ain't going nowhere, at least for two <laughs> years. And they got to resign him immediately. Flat cap doesn't help. Boston does make the most sense. Uh, he could also go somewhere else completely. So just just some interesting rumors. Um, flyers were involved. The whole division was involved. So I thought that was worth discussing. I'm not really going to talk about Keith Yandel. I don't think he gets moved. That's too hefty of a contract. I did hear if he was moved, it can be negotiated in the trade. And I believe with the player, maybe not, that they accept his you know, movement clause because that's going to be big yep. with who you can protect, who you can p- protect come expansion time. So I wouldn't read too much into that. Uh, ultimately, I don't think anything happens. So, um, Steve, uh, unless you got anything else, uh, should we wrap this puppy up? Yeah, no, I think that was a jam-packed week. Lots lots of good stuff to talk about. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll get some, some more fun stuff this week. I'm glad that we had a later show this Sunday evening because we got that D'Angelo news in, and that was big. Yeah, uh, perfect timing. Last thing I'll say is what's your prediction on tonight's game? I'm going to say Flyers 3-1. to one. Uh, I'm going to take Provorov with the empty netter. And then I'm going to say, let's go with uh, TK getting uh, getting the first one. And I'm going to take uh, Patrick for a second. Is he in the lineup, TK? Yeah, he's playing. <laughs> Who's out, Moran or is he still in? Yeah, Moran. He only played like, what, five minutes last night. I, I think it was a little uh, timeout for TK. Get your head straight. Look at the game from a different angle, and I mean, we know what he is. We know he's going to be fine, so I'm not too worried about it. I'm gonna. We'll be discussing that maneuver on the main show for sure. Oh, I'm maybe sure. Goal score, getting the old boot. But hey, maybe AV knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'll go four to two Flyers. I have to pick the Flyers. No empty nets. Um, I think Jake gets on the score sheet again. He's just been on fire. Okay. He just he's won. been playing well. Yeah, uh, Hayes. I like Hayes in this one. I think Lawton. He had a really nice overtime goal. Hopefully, he gets yeah. moving again. And I, I think I think either Bunneman or Kubel find the back of the net. They have just been buzzing. You know, that, I would like that line's been that. good. And it wouldn't surprise me if JVR had another power play goal. I mean, his night and day from last year. So, uh, and is it Hart starting tonight? They go, no, they're going with Elliot tonight. Elliot. Yep. Yeah, Elliot tonight. Elliot's been solid. So. Knock on wood, we get another win. Can you imagine? I was looking at this this upcoming matchups with the Devils, even though they were down Blackwood, but with us playing so poorly, you know, hoping to split there and then hoping to split with the Islanders. If we win tonight, we're, we're looking at a clean sweep here. This is great. So even if they great. lose tonight, I can't hate too much. I just don't want to get blown out. So we'll see what happens. Uh, with that, guys, we'll, we'll end the show. Goodbye, guys, gals, Flyers fans, and till next time. <laughs>